Hey, Kathy, do you know what time of year it is? I do. It's the holiday season. Right. And this year, I'm planning ahead and stocking up on a gift that will cover all the readers and want-to-be readers in my life. Well, give us this great gift idea. Okay. It's our new Read Happy, the ultimate reading journal. And we designed it with our friends in mind, so it's perfect. Plus, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org. And there are links on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com and journalhappy.com. Happy holidays. And happy reading. Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. And I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words and Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to Corks and Conversation with Yasmin and Go. I'm so excited to talk with her. You know how excited I am, Christy. Um, I had found her first book. Her name is Knight, and I had used that as one of my recommendations for our GOB Rex last year, I think. Yeah, la- yeah last In season. season four, yeah. And then we saw um, Yasmin at Thrillerfest, and she was one of the debut authors. And I had I had intended, I'd gone there with the intention I wanted to meet her because I really loved her book so much. Honestly, um, you turned me on enough that I read the book, mm-hmm. and I don't always read your GOB Rex because mm-hmm. I just don't have time, but I was like, Yes, this is really good. Yeah, so we beelined it up to to yes, and and, uh, <laughs> and she was kind enough to not think we were crazy and was like, "Yeah, I'll come on your podcast with you." So, um, I'm thrilled to um, have her here today. Yeah, yeah, and since then we've seen her um, again at Sleuth Fest. Yes, where uh, we started our jean jacket trend <laughs> that. Two out of three have to remember. <laughs> and um, and then we did it at BoucherCon too. So it was good to see her in those places. And um, so we just knew today was going to be a fun chat. Yeah, yeah. So we are just so excited. So let me tell everybody a little bit about Yasmin, if they have not heard of her yet and her work. I'm really excited to share this. She is the Anthony-nominated author of the critically acclaimed thrillers, Her Name is Night and They Come at Night of the Nina Knight series. Here's the latest. I'm holding up if you're watching us on YouTube. She has gorgeous covers. I want to talk to her about that. But Yasmin is a first-generation Ghanaian-American and in 2020 was a recipient of the Eleanor Taylor Bland Award for Emerging Writers of Color from Sisters of Crime, which is really a prestigious and uh, wonderful award. Her books were an Amazon Best Book of the Month for Mystery, Thriller, and Suspense and an Editor's Pick. Her work has received numerous recognitions was on a billboard in Times Square. How fun that must have been. I can't even imagine. (laughs) She's had library journal starred reviews. She has appeared in the New York Times Book Review, Oprah Daily, Pop Sugar, Nerd Daily, the Washington (laughs) Independent Review of Books, The Guardian. I could go on, but I just want to get to talking to Yasmin. But what's really exciting, too, is that you'll be able to see, we hope, the Nina Knight series. It's been options for TV and currently in development as it should be. Here is a really great New York Times book review quote that I think sums things up really well. There's nothing ho-hum about Nina Knight, the killer at the heart of Yasmin Ango's They Come at Night. And one blistering action scene after another, we get to see how good Nina is at what she does. Yasmin is an educator, 
long, long time educator. Um, she has a lovely family of six that live in South Carolina. Yasmin, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you both. Yes. Yay, I'm excited. Yay, we're here. We're here. We've been talking about this for a long time. Yes, <laughs> yes. Before we even get started, let's point out we are all enjoying some wine. And even though Yasmin is not a typical wine drinker, she's got <laughs> a lovely pink Moscato. <laughs> <laughs> matching her pink shirt <laughs> yes yes we like to match our clothes to our wine today my lips yeah. match my wine i've got a i've got a, a zinfandel what do you have christy I, I have a pinot grigio what is it matching my eyes my hair yes, yes i don't know sure. it's kind of like a cross between my skin and my eyes so. <laughs> greenish white right but it's tasty oh well, good let's say cheers to yasmin cheers. and Eden night cheers hey, cheers thank you Okay, so let's get started. And mm -hmm. I first want to, um, we've touched on a little bit about her books, but let me give a little more information. So the main character is Nina Knight, and it's K-N-I-G-H-T for those of you just listening. And that's in the title of the books too. So that's kind of a play on words, Night Night. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, she's a dangerous assassin <laughs> and she has just an incredible backstory and we learn all about that in book one. And then she goes on to continue her. She works for the tribe, okay, which is like a business syndicate mm -hmm. in Africa. And it's promoting African business, I guess, and, you Unity. know, and yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, of course, along those lines, there have to be bad guys assassinated. Mm -hmm. And so, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so who better to do it than Nina? And so she's sort of like a like a superhero in that way. I mean, she's just very good at what she does. And it's on an international stage. So you can see why we definitely want to see this in a like movie or TV yes. show, because this is just ripe for it. And it's got this badass woman character, you know, that we just we just love. So anyway, I don't want to give any more away, but tell you it's action packed and there's all kinds of intrigue and there there might be inside jobs going on. We got to, you know, we got to get to the bottom of it. And in this mm -hmm. book, it's so fun too, because she does go to Africa. So we get to see a little bit of that on, you know, in a present day kind of environment. So anyway, my first question is along the lines of talking about Nina and how she's this badass female character. We think of her as like a hero, you know, of the story or even a superhero, even though she's really an assassin, which mm -hmm. is not what you would think. And right. so you've been quoted as saying in this story, there are no heroes. And mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about that and what you meant by that. Yeah, so that's something that that Nina says to someone in the uh, story when the person is like, what do you think you are now a hero, you know, because you're saving the day and and she's just like, you know, in this in this story, which is my play on it's a story, but then it's also, you know, she's saying it's a story. But um, she's saying, you know, in this story, there are no heroes um, because she knows that she does bad things in taking lives, even though she takes lives of select people. You know, um, these are people who are, are bad in their own right, but she knows that 
that's not something that can be considered heroic. And she doesn't find herself to be a hero. She just thinks that she's doing her job and doing what she has to do to protect the people that she cares about. And this organization, the tribe or the African Tribal Council, which is like their full name, she's protecting their interests and the, the people of the African diaspora. So she doesn't think that anybody is a hero. She just thinks that they're going to be some better people or some worse people. And I'm, I'm just, I fall in there. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's how she kind of felt. <laughs> it feels yeah. about it. Like she's on the spectrum and that helps her live with herself or something. Yeah. You know, she just like, yeah. well, she just accepts it is what it is. That's basically mm -hmm. what through, through the experiences that she's had, she's kind of developed that, that, you know, these things happen. I can't think about why good things happen or bad things happen to good people and stuff like that. So life is what it is. And, you know, people aren't heroes. And, and even people who you think might be heroes, everyone has the good and the bad to them. And I think that's basically what all of her stories are, mm -hmm. that she's an assassin, but she does good. She has a heart, she cares, and she's very, very loyal to those people who also are loyal to her. She's very vulnerable, even though she can like take you down with like blades and things like that. She's very <laughs> vulnerable. So there are so many like layers to people and everyone. And that's the thing that I always want to explore in all of the stories. So there are no heroes and there are no villains, not entirely. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the point that she was trying to make. Right. And there are times when you can see that she is conflicted. She's straight and has it, but then something will lead her to question it. And so, you know, there's always that battle. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm curious where Nina came from, first of all, because I love the idea of an assassin is just fun, right? But an mm -hmm. assassin who's incredibly dedicated to her family, which is... You know, just an awesome <laughs> dichotomy. Right. <laughs> and not only is she this really cool, intense role, and then also this very tender person, fiercely loyal, she has this incredible backstory. And you bring so much from her Ghanaian childhood and present day dedication. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I was just so curious where she came from, because I read an interview that you had done that, you know, previous books weren't like thrillers and espionage and this kind of genre. And so I was like, where, I just was like, where did the epicenter of this woman come from? Yeah, like it, well, it honestly came from because I, I just wanted to see, you know, a woman like do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And at that time, I wasn't reading anything where I saw women highlighted in that way. You know, we were always the ones that were being saved. Mm -hmm. We were always the love interest, or yeah. we were always the girl Friday feeding the information to the hero, right? And I love those kinds of books and those kinds of movies, you know, all of those kinds. But I just never saw women and I especially never saw black women or yeah. women from other countries in that position in the in the uh prime position as the protagonist doing all of the saving and and doing all these things and I and I've said it before I say it all the time because I, it's really really true I grew up watching my my stepmother watching like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and so she Ginger Rogers always like stood with me because you know she did everything that they did right and she even <laughs> said it in an interview that you know I can do everything that the men can do only backwards and in a dress or in heels and I'm <laughs> like well, that's Nina and so that's what I think in my head when I started writing her was like she's gonna be like the Ginger Rogers of assassins and she's gonna, <laughs> you know do all the these things that like John Wick and Liam Neeson yeah. and Bourne and all say, of those Jason guys. Jason Bourne. 
I love Jason the Bourne. Jason Bourne mm-hmm. series. And exactly. that's the first thing that I thought of when I cracked open your first book. I was like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. And so, like you say, it's just so interesting because immediately when you say, I wrote a book about an assassin, you immediately think of a man, you think of a yeah. white man. Yeah. Now we're mm-hmm. adding all kinds of cool layers. And so mm-hmm. I love that. I thought that was yeah. really yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to really write, you know, a book that I would devour because I love books that have that highlight women and they're doing these things when yeah. they're lawyers, when they're whatever cops, any yeah. of those things that you typically don't see them in or haven't. Now there, there's more to it, like more of them are coming out. But at that time when I was reading, there weren't. So I just wrote her so that I could be excited about yeah. someone who looks like me doing all these like really crazy, wonderful things, not leaping from buildings because she has common sense. And she's not going <laughs> to fly off of a helicopter, you can hunt, right, in Mission Impossible. She's going to be like, now, wait a minute, that, that don't yeah. make sense. Okay, right. See, so. right. I love that because her voice is sarcastic at the best times. Like, she's just got this great kind of dry wit to her that is just also put in there. So you have this super intense book. I mean, honestly, the book, it's not even just the action scenes. The whole thing is just intense. It's like, well, oh, yeah, because that's what I was going with earlier when I was like saying about the backstory, because I feel like that just makes us really, really understand her and also, you know, want to root for her yeah. because, you know, she has been through so much, even though like, OK, why am I rooting for her to kill somebody? Well, because she needs to. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm wondering as you as you've written the second book now and probably the third, how hard is it to filter in that backstory without just going through the same thing of the first one, but giving it giving each new reader enough to root for her? How hard did you find that, and how did you do it? Right. Well, it, it's definitely hard, and it's some, and it gets harder and harder as each one goes because most people don't pick it up from like the second or even like in the third. Mm-hmm. So that's a conversation that I always have with my developmental editor because I won't put so much in, and then they'll be like, "Well, you got to give a little bit of you know background," and I, I really think about it because I'm like, I want to get to the the new stuff, and I don't want people to feel like things are being regurgitated, but. What I, what I have told myself is, as with most survivors and as with anybody who has been through something um, that has really deeply hurt them and affected them, it never really leaves you. And there's always like something that will trigger you, remind you of that time, uh, recall all of that stuff. And so I think about that when I'm writing any of the subsequent books, because I'm like, okay, this thing can trigger her here and remind her. And that's where it opens it up where I can bring up that person that was in the past that was triggered Mm -hmm. by this thing that she just saw right now. Um, And that helps to kind of bring in that backstory and let let the reader remember what it is that she's been through and why she's where she is right now was because of these things that still, even though she's a work in progress and and after each book, she's like, everything will be better or like I'm working towards these things, but there's always these little hiccups that we have that are just like, wow, like that just brought me right back to that first day again, all over again. Mm -hmm. 
And so when you say developmental editor, is this somebody through the publisher or is this somebody that you work with and is it different every time so that they can? Yeah. So it's through the publisher. And so they have a developmental editor through this long process that kind of just like pass me along. <laughs> the, the first stop for me uh, to publishing a book is, is with the developmental editor. And like, so they'll like work on after I've, you know, written everything and I, and I typically overwrite. So they tell me like 90,000 to 95,000 words, Yasmin. And then I give them like 110 because I, I put everything in there and then I say, okay, you can take out, you know, what you think is fluff. Cause I know that I, and I do that because I want to give more so that we have a little bit more to work with. So the developmental and editor and I, the first two books, it's been the same. This one, we have um, a new person. So hopefully like everything has kind of vibed together. And I think so. I really like this third one and where Nina is, is going with what's going on in her life now in the, in the position that she's in right now and her position within the tribe. But yeah, so it's been fun. It's nice hearing what other people think of, you know, where the story can go and, and maybe some things that I hadn't thought of and I can be like, yeah, that makes sense. Or no, that's not where I'm trying to go because that's not really Nina's vibe. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a, a positive um, experience with both editors. That's really okay. interesting. So you, uh, the overwriting, I'm very curious about because <laughs> that sounds torturous, like an extra 10 to 15,000 words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I like, I don't know, like I just start in the story and then I, and then things pop up because I also don't outline very deeply. Mm. I, if I have to outline it's because the publisher made me, but everything <laughs> changes from, from that synopsis and that, um, yeah. those first three chapters that they ask for. So I'm writing and I write whatever I'm feeling at that moment and things change even for me. And, and then all of a sudden, I, I realized that, oh, my goodness, I've gone over. I'm at 95, and the, the story still isn't done. Well, I'm just going to finish it. And so I just write it. It turns writing. out. Right, right. And so this uh, <laughs> book three turned out to be, I think it was hundred and um, 110. And I gave it, and we tried to, to bring it down a little bit. But honestly, especially because it's the third, and they say the final of the series, I'm like, well, I just got to give it everything I got. So, <laughs> so they got, you know, they got another big one. So it's probably more along the same length as the first one. The, the second one's a little bit smaller. And then this, the first one was really thick because, you know, it had that dual timeline. So it was really like two books in one. Yeah. And then the third one just has everything all together so that hopefully everyone feels really, really satisfied. But I do leave it a little bit on a cliffhanger, just in case. Just in case there's room for more. I was going to say, yes. I don't know if people are going to want to stop with three. Yeah, I'm like, no. So I, you know, one of the things I loved about um, the first book, and I continue to love about the second book, was how nuanced and layered this character is, right? Mm -hmm. She's not just an assassin. She's there's a little bit of a love story that can it carries over from one to two, which is really fun. I love mm -hmm. that way to explore, you know, the wholeness of this character. Can she be whole in all the ways that you want to be as a woman? Yeah. Her family, her um, new family, her family of origin, her country of origin, and some really hard, hard, real topics Mm -hmm. from her childhood. Um, I was wondering how you prepare to present this to your reader. I mean, did you think about, you know, some triggering, really troubling things in her past, but they're very real. So mm -hmm. you have to deal with it. And you must have thought about that. How did you pre 
prepare for that? Yeah, well, so as I was writing the first one, I didn't actually think about it. I was just writing. It was as if she was sitting right next to me and just telling mm-hmm. me her story. But one thing I did have to do was I did have to write her before, all of the befores first, because I needed the story for her to come to me in its entirety and not chopped up like I give it to the reader. So Mm -hmm. I actually had to deal with that whole issue, you know, everything at the same time with no let up. And then after I've written it, then as I'm trying to figure out how to like weave, you know, the the two of them, I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that to the reader. So they're going to have, and I can't even call the afters like levity, but they kind of are because when she's with, like you said, when she's with court and when she's with mm-hmm. even Georgia and her family, those are moments and, and her best friend Kegel, those are moments of levity that the yeah. reader can have, that they can have in between. That counterbalance. Those deep, yeah. Yes, that and counterbalance. It's like a relief. You're like, oh, because some of those first chapters in the first book Mm -hmm. I was literally relieved like you say when you're we're back and like I was like okay because it's like go 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 and then a little a little bit yeah Um, and so I I love that you wrote her backstory fully and completely first but I can see why now that would make sense yeah yeah definitely and then you know I put the the warnings in there even though you can't warn for everything but you know everyone has to kind of gauge where they are with their space and everything but I just wanted to tell you know the story as truthfully as it came to me and as sensitively as I could um, in relaying that story and I wanted it to be something that was very impactful and and made people think about the things that are so important like loss and family and really reclaiming one's oneself and one's power because those were the things that I was going through during that time was I had lost you know I lost my dad and you know went through like real life changes um divorce and stuff and how do you reclaim your power and your sense of self and who you are once all of these things, these traumatic things have happened to you. And and so it came out in, in a story about an assassin. So it could be people I wanted to kill. Maybe. Yeah, um, I think you same. know what I'm saying? But like, but like that. And then finding a new family, you know, here in South Carolina, my kids and I moved here and we didn't know anybody. Like we, it was, we totally started from new. So that's where you see that in, um, in Nina's story where she has this found family, these people who reach out and say, be a part of our family. And that's literally what I had here with my next door neighbor, who's one of my closest friends. She's like a sister. And she basically came over and, and was like, you know, Hey, we are going to adopt you into our family. And, and we've never left since, you know what I mean? So so all of those things I wanted to explore in this high octane thriller story that, you know, she's killing and shooting people. So I wanted to give a little bit of, I guess they're stop, they're trying to not call it women's fiction anymore, but a little bit of women's fiction with a mm-hmm. whole lot of, you know, like action thriller mm-hmm. where everybody could find something in it. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you did. You did good. Yeah, you did. It's about some really hard places, but really it's about where she ends up, the empowerment that's really what it's about. So, and yes. you know, like I'm, um, I mean, the backstory was that. I mean, was that based on any reality that you had heard or read about? Or no, 
Um, so uh, with the human trafficking, I, when I was um, in the class, well, no, it was right after I left the classroom, but I was working as an instructional coach and we went to, you know, one of these educational conferences. And at one of these educational conferences, they had a session that was led by uh, survivors of human trafficking, human and sex trafficking. And they were talking about their stories. And I just remember sitting there and I know people would be like, why are they speaking at a, a conference about education? And we're supposed to be talking about lesson plans and stuff but like they were talking about like their story and they told their stories and the stories but I couldn't even tell you which one you know what a story right. was what really resonated with me was their strength and was their beauty in how they have reinvented themselves to be just the people they want to be now and they mm -hmm. have all this stuff that has happened to them but they use that to make them better and to make other people better and aware of these things that had happened to them and how easy and simply that it could happen to a young kid. And it could happen to a kid who is in Ghana in a little village. It could happen to a kid who is right next door to me here right. in South Carolina, you know, in the most places that you wouldn't even expect there is human trafficking. And that just really resonated with me. But most of all was their strength. And I was like, man, I, I want to write about a woman that's strong like like that you know what I mean mm -hmm. that just through all of these things no matter what life throws at her she she figures out a way to save herself she figures out a way to survive and take back these things that people have taken from her all of this and I just thought that they were just so wonderful and I wanted to do that for myself too so that's where that part of the story came from was that I wanted to tell a story like that but I wanted to not showcase yes we're going to hear about those bad things that happened but it's really not about those bad things that happen. It's about how she got past those bad things that happen. Love it. Cheers to strong women. All right. Yes. Strong women. <laughs> yes. Okay, so listen, it's midway. Let's take a break from our great conversation. Okay. All right. We like, yes, we like to do a little thing called um, the question in the bottle. Okay. All right. So this question is, which is better, shopping online or shopping in store. Yeah, I, I actually I really love shopping online. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really love. You know why? Because I love them coming to my door. It's like Christmas every day. <laughs> I you know forget what? what I buy, and I'm like, oh my god! You were wearing the most awesome dress. <laughs> When we were at BoucherCon and oh, you said yeah. you got it that online. Skirt. And well, since then I came back and I bought clothes online. I'm telling you, I was like, I did not know this was possible, but this Girl, is the way to shop. On I know. Amazon, yeah. I was like, what do you mean you don't shop online, especially during the pandemic? I mean. I, but, I'm not a shopper, period. So mm -hmm, I just yeah. never thought like I could get clothes online because I'm like, oh, you know, that's such work. But then I'm like going, hey, and, and you... I didn't know how easy it was to send it back. Mm -hmm. You just go into Whole Foods and be like, here. <laughs> here you go. And they know, you know, there's no shipping. You don't have to, you know, there's certain yeah. places that do make you, but I go to the, you know, when you go on. Yeah, Amazon I go to the local. If I have to pay shipping, I will go somewhere else. I right, mean, exactly. I'm, I am shipping adverse at this point. You know, I just, because yeah. you're so used to not having to pay. Exactly. Exactly. I will say, so. I really, like, I haven't been in the grocery store or like a, big like target I, I hardly ever go inside because you know mm -hmm. but I yesterday I was doing some shopping in, at a small town boutique in town mm -hmm. and I thought oh this is so fun like it felt so fresh because I we went down to pick out our some Christmas things and mm -hmm. 
Um, so it seems like a novelty now. What it, we're, yeah. we're so used to doing it online, you know. That's yeah, so funny, I Kathy, because I went into a little shop today. And like I said, I don't shop, but I went to meet somebody for lunch yeah. in our little and I, we have this like shopping street with restaurants mm-hmm. and I'm walking back and I'm like, oh, there's a sale. I'm not going to say what I got because it might be a Christmas present for the sound <laughs> engineer, but they were having a sale. <laughs> He's like, oh, mom. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I was like, oh, I think I could get a few presents. <laughs> I will say I also, I stopped in, I was in Sioux Falls, which is our closest big town. I'm in a small town of like 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. And so I went to our big city of 100,000 people. <laughs> and um, yeah, I know. And I was getting some Christmas presents in there. And Sephora was right there. Oh, mm, I love Sephora now. I love Sephora. And they're having a sale. And so, Oh, my goodness. I know. And, you know, makeup is hard to buy online, right? I do go to, yes, I will go to Sephora for that, you know. I hadn't been inside of Sephora since post-pandemic. I remember when I was in there, like, the shelves were almost empty. You know what I mean? Everything was fully stocked again. I could get whatever I needed. Like, my list was just checked off. It was so fun. Mm. I'm going to go to your Sephora because down here in South Florida, the, the shelves can be hit or miss. Oh, yeah, you come on the day that they they actually stock them or something. Yeah, Yeah. it was fully stocked and I got this cute little lip color. So just saying Mm. it looks great. (laughs) Mm. Yes, I'm looking (laughs) at it. (laughs) Okay, so I I'm so thrilled for you for your success. And it's just a delight to get to know you and hear all about this. But this is not the last couple of years isn't just when this started. You clearly have must been writing for a long time before. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that, that you've been writing on and off for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So um, your overnight success was 20 years in the, in the, in making. the making. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Like, what is that like when you've been chipping away for so long and then all of a sudden things really start happening? Mm-hmm. Um, what's oh, that gosh. Like? Yeah. Like, well, it's it's still like a whirlwind. I still can't believe it because it's like you said been so long coming and especially if you're a mom or someone who has to you know put what you want to the side you know to Mm. take care of family and stuff that's why I I had to put my work down for 20 years of when I was in my 20s and and you know newly married and and the baby was just like a year I was able to write and this was like on the typewriter and you had to snail mail and all that other stuff I was able to do that. And then when I, you know, was getting rejections and things like that, and and my husband at the time was in the military, I had to put that away because I had to focus on my my kid and also getting my degree while he was deployed fighting the wars and things like that. So so it was really a dream deferred for a long time. And then you kind of just forget and, and, you know, you're going through your, your career and, and things like that. And so it's like I said, when I got, you know, when I had my, the life change and the kids were a little bit older and I was trying to figure out what can I do to like make, what used to make me happy? And I couldn't remember like what made me happy. And then I was like, you know, let me, I, I still have my books um, that I wrote even when I was in middle and high school. They're still in there, like 70 page oh. spiral notebook and stuff oh. like that. 
And I was going through them and I was like, oh my gosh, I used to love writing and it brought me such joy. Let me try to pick that up and see if that could be kind of like my therapy or whatever. And it really was. And I was revising, you know, the first um, full length book that I, I had written and, and things like that. And it made me like so happy. And, and so that's what, oh. that is everything when I, when I started doing that and that book still didn't like really take off. And then I decided I was going to do like this Nina book and really highlight my culture and, and, and dedicate it to my dad who had just passed um, and that had devastated me. And so like, that's something that really, it was like my, my therapy was writing, um, her name is Night. And so it's all of that. And then it, when it finally came at the top of what, 2020 was when I decided I'm going to, to query this book and try to find an agent and, and see, you know, if they'll say yes. And I still went through a whole lot of no's. I mean, I was rejected nearly a hundred times off of her name as night alone. Wow. Before I finally, yeah. Um, and I was, and I started to really doubt myself before um, Melissa, my agent emailed me and said she wanted to speak to me. And even before I um, applied for the Eleanor Taylor Grant award, I was going to quit. And I said, I'm going to hang up my, my, my writing. I'm going to quit because clearly I'm not as good as I thought I was. And this was just a pipe dream or whatever. And then my friend Kelly Garrett, she was like, you know, Harry, here's this award. And I was like, well, I'm, I'll, you know, apply for it, but it's not like I'm going to win because I don't win anything. Plus I'm going to quit. So what does it matter? <laughs> and so I applied for it and then I forgot about it because I just knew I wasn't going to win. And then I was prepared to quit entirely. And then I got my email from, from Melissa. So when I got the email, I was like, wow, I can't believe it. Like, I guess maybe I'm not going to quit after all. <laughs> not today. Not today. And then literally after a week after I speak to, to Melissa is when I hear that I won the award and I'm like, man, what is this? And so when I say it's a whirlwind and I'm still kind of thinking, you know, like how did this happen? And that's why, I, because it's just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like that happened. And then the deal came quickly and then the option came like a week. It was just boom, 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 boom. And I didn't get a chance to like really sit and even two years out, really sit and like understand like what just happened here because it's been over 20 years of nothing and then rejections and then all of a sudden there's acceptance and a lot of acceptance and it's just like a little too much you know so mm -hmm. but not too much keep coming not too much yeah, yeah. Not too much. <laughs> buy the books buy the books <laughs> buy the books please <laughs> yeah keep buying the books <laughs> you know i i we had a very similar conversation with wanda morris yeah um, mm -hmm. uh, it's a recently. very good friend of mine i love her she yeah. is just wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I admire her so much, but we had a similar conversation. And I think I'm fascinated by the idea that you just kept plugging away. You sent it for a few more, you know, queries, a few more mm -hmm. and nearly a hundred rejections would be enough to be damaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's such an inspirational thing. And I think there's people who are going to be listening to this and they think, yep, I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to do that thing. Just like Kelly Garrett had said, mm -hmm. you know what, you just do this, just do this one more thing. And you did. And, and look where mm -hmm. it brought you. Yep. And if you yep. hadn't, which would have been so easy too. Mm -hmm. that's... I wouldn't be here. Yeah. And yeah. neither would Nina, which is yeah. would be sad for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I want to know is, since this were during this whirlwind, what are like, what's one of the best things about this writing world that you've discovered? And maybe what's the worst thing you discover? <laughs> <laughs> 
So the best thing is like meeting people like y'all and becoming friends and, and being able to talk shop and, and talk books and and like going to the conferences and, and just intermingling with readers and, and colleagues and um, reviewers and, and podcasters and things like that. That's the best thing. Mm-hmm. And, and to have people really read and receive the book and understand the things, the messages and themes that I was trying to put in that story. Um, and really understand that it, it's just more than this is just topical action thriller shoot them up bang bang you know what I mean like there's right. depth to it um and there's depth to Nina and, and things like that and also to see you know women and uh black women and, and African women in a different light than what's been shown all these years mm-hmm. and so like that's what I achieve is like fierce women period I want that to be a norm so like mm-hmm. those are the best things the worst is trying to navigate the marketing and the publicity and, and all of that stuff yeah. because and and then be able to write because that does take away creatively you know what I mean and and trying to make sure that you know people still know the book and all of those things I don't know and I guess that's why like you know celebrities have people that do that stuff (laughs) when you're not a celebrity I don't have people I just have me and so when it's just me you know I'm like oh my gosh I have to do this writing but I have to post something or I have to like you know email somebody and say hey will you try my book and and see if I can get like so there's a whole lot of that and and a whole lot of trying to get the word out and get your name out there and it really takes away from the thing and I guess you hear that from a lot of authors who are just like I just want to write but when you're shy you know, like me and, and really like someone who just wants to just be quiet, but like, we're here, here's my, yeah. just read it. But like, I just want to be quiet. You know what I mean? It's hard. <laughs> and that's true. Be, a lot of yeah. authors, you know, we're yeah. introverted type people. And then, yes. we're, we're, but we're forced to be like, yeah, buy it, what? read it, whatever. Yeah, and you know, I think whenever you, uh, the business side of, because it's a small, you're, you're running a small business yourself, yeah. your authorship is a small business. Yeah. Um, but that's not what you thought you were going to, you know, you're in this because you wanted to, it was giving you a joy, which is mm-hmm. so great. But that's just kind of a harsh reality. And I, I don't like even the marketing side of the podcast really for us. Right. Like I, it's easy because I, we're really I bad want- at it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're trying. We're trying. But I, but I love promoting the people we talk to. So that's, yeah, I try yeah. to focus on that because it is painful to be like, hi, hey, listen to us and buy your stuff. And it's just, <laughs> it's it's a hard thing. It is. So I, I totally get that. And I, and I think too, the space that it takes in your brain, mm-hmm. um, you, you're you thinking, I should be using this for writing. Like, yeah. Like this yes. Yeah, so what nice. about this, um, the series adaptation? How is that going? Is that yeah. look like it's going to happen? I know that sometimes it can be dragged out forever. And have you gotten any word on it or? Um, the only word that I have really gotten was that they were hoping that a script would be done um, by the end of this year. Um, and so I know that it's gone through a lot of iterations. They're trying to make it there's a whole lot in that first book. And so figuring (laughs) out how, and you know, with the whole back and forth and stuff. And so figuring out how to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, smartly in a, in a series and, and, um, and still reflect all the things that were in the book um, so that people will be happy, I think has been maybe a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. And so they've had, they've gone through a lot of notes and um, iterations. I haven't seen any of that, but that's what I've kind of been told. And then it's taken, you know, a a little bit of time, but they said by the end of the year, hopefully 
they'll have the script um, and they're trying to package it. So it's just not one episode. It's, you know, an episode and, and, you know, the um, whole arc of the series. Exactly. Exactly. So just trying to figure out the perfect, you know, the right arc and and everything like that. So I look forward to it because they say that they're going to send me the script when it's done. And I'm just like, wow, that's really cool. And I've, and I am okay. I haven't been any part of that. You know, when you guys like start filming and stuff, I just want to be there because I just want to see everybody, you know, I'm I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to be, you know, one of those. (laughs) Wait, that's wrong. (laughs) Because, because what did it, you know what, they can have their adaptation because I have the actual book, you know, like that is the original. And that's the most healthy attitude to take. I, you know, I I would think. And it's a, and it's a blessing, right? It is an, um, it is such an honor and, you know, for someone to say, Hey, I want to adapt your book. So however you do it, you know, mm-hmm. you'll never hear me say, oh my gosh, I was horrible because I am just so blessed that you wanted to do it. Yeah, and right. so I'll take whatever, you know, if you have Pee Wee Herman doing it, okay, <laughs> well, it's going to be Pee Wee Herman and he's going to be, you know, shooting up some people, but that's okay. We're going to enjoy it anyway. You know? It will be fun. Well, that's a little extreme. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I might not be thrilled, but I have to say it is Here's a cinematic book. Like I can, I can't wait to see, like you said, I just can't even wait to see what they do with it. And you know yeah, that, I mean, I'm just, I'm I'm rooting for it too, because I think that it, once you get past that something big like that, like this big transition where people just can't help, mm-hmm. but seeing you and your, your writing, you know, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's going to be like, I don't feel like posting today. Gonna <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's going to be that just that oh. next step where you could be like, guess what? I don't have to post. I got people. You know, you got people. Or at least, or at least one person, and, and people still remember who I am. Half a person. You can share with a person. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Someone who's better. But regardless, I think uh, I think the books are great, and I think yeah. you know, can't wait for the next one. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, Christy has a final question for you. Okay, mm. already it's almost time. Goodness. Okay. I know. I know. I know. Time fun. flies when you're <laughs> having fun, right? Okay. Mm. So, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with, and what would it be? Oh, that's an easy one. I would like to share a meal with Kegel, and you know, it's going to be lemon pepper wings. Uh, oh <laughs> my god! I know the answer. I, know the answer. <laughs> I am so hungry for them right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. I. It has to be because I think he's just the, the funniest person and he is just the one that just doesn't care um, mm-hmm. how inappropriate he is. Even his name is inappropriate and he, <laughs> and he loves it and owns it. Um, and, and so, you know, um, when you were talking about, you know, Nina being, you know, has that dry humor and, and things mm-hmm. like that. What's funny is that she's really not, you know, she doesn't even have the dry. She's just really like she if she doesn't understand something when they were saying, oh, yeah, we're going to IHOP. And she's like, you mean International House of Pancakes? You know? <laughs> and like and it's like she doesn't fun- have humor. She's just so serious that it's humorous. Yeah, right. exactly yeah, exactly yeah. and she doesn't understand like american like idiom and and things like that and that actually comes from my mom because that that actual actual story is something that actually happened to my mom with her co-workers and, and oh, she, really she, you know yeah and so she's still <laughs> like you know she still does things where you say something and she she'll say the actual name her national house of pancake mom <laughs> you mean i hop and she's like oh is that what it is and and so you know it's just <laughs> oh, really really so funny cute. does your mom live near you 
she actually lives um, in Florida, so closer to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> she can come on over. Yeah, yeah. She lives. She lives on the. Um, I think the outskirts of um of Orlando. She says Orlando oh. proper. That's what she always says. Orlando oh. proper. I live outside of Orlando proper. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. good. So That's like, a nice okay. area too. I that used to live in Orlando. So yeah, yeah. So um, oh, okay. so yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I know that our listeners are going to want to know more about you. Where is the best place to reach out? Oh, um, so I'm still on Twitter um, <laughs> because that's just the easiest for me. So you can get, you can see me at Yaz, a writer on Twitter. And then I'm also uh, on um, IG. So that's author underscore Yaz, or you can send me an email through my website. Yes. Yasminango.com. I'm there too, or Facebook. I have an author page there so all of those different places we'll have links we'll have yeah Yeah, we'll put all the links on our thing yeah i gotta tell you yasmin this of course i knew it was going to be but it's been a really fun conversation and we're so glad you could finally join us yes and thank you I think, you know, we just have to do one final cheers to to your success and great writing. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers.